when your back is against the wall, I wonder, are you glad that God is there? Yeah, yeah, what are you saying? I, I know you don't feel like he's there, but he's really already there. That's what my Bible tells me. Welcome to Treasure Truth with Pastor and author James Ford Jr., Senior Pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us today as we begin the message, When Your Back is Up Against the Wall. And Pastor, I'm sure that there have been times where every single person listening today has felt like that. You just feel overwhelmed. Your back is up against the wall and you don't feel the presence of God there. What do you do with that? Uh, well, Steve, you, you get the same answer from me all the time. Why do I keep directing people to the word of God? Because no matter what we're feeling, uh, we get our stability from God's word. Yeah. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his delight, he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And so here, here you have it. It's like your stability comes from the word of God. And when I'm between a rock and a hard place and my back is against the wall, the only consolation I get is I let go of my feelings and I try to grab hold to my faith. Now, I'm not always 100%. Of course, you know, I bemoan, but that's why I like the Psalms. Yeah. See, the Bible speaks to us. The Psalms speak for us. And I can go to a Psalm and David is is saying, God, you're not there. I don't feel it. That's the word. Right. And, and it connects with what I'm feeling. What you're feeling then. That's yeah. right. But I tell you what. After I'm done, I don't know about our listeners, I always feel better. Yeah. Now, sometimes not much better. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. I'm so low, I have to get a ladder to climb up on the curb. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, as you said, uh, sometimes you may not feel much better, so you keep going back to the Psalms and back keep to the Psalms. Back. And, uh, and one of the other things I love about David and, and the psalmists as they write is, as you said, they identify with painful emotion. But I think in every psalm, except for maybe one, there's a turn that happens. Said, yet I will praise you. Yet, God, you are. And uh, there's that turn to get us back to Christ. And why? So that we can live by our revelation and not our situation. Well, if you can, open your Bible to Second Chronicles chapter 20 as we begin the message, When Your Back is Up Against the Wall. Here is Pastor Ford. When God wants to do something spectacular, he chooses a difficulty. But when God wants to blow your mind, he chooses an impossibility. Because he wants us to know no matter what we're up against. And by the way, the title of the message is, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what do you do? When your back is up against the wall. Yeah, when your back is up against the wall and you don't have anybody that you can depend on, God says you can always depend on me because nothing is impossible uh, with God. 
And so he turns uh, an impossibility into possibilities. Uh, some of you may have read some years ago in Turning Point magazine. It's the magazine that is produced, published by uh, Dr. David Jeremiah and his ministry, who in my estimation is one of the most profound expositors of the Word of God in our generation. Amen. Amen. I'd put him in the top five expositors in this country, in this world. And in Turning Point magazine, the story was told of a woman uh, who had worked late, even though her boss said, don't do it. Uh, she worked about till about 1230, quarter to one, was on her way to her automobile that was in the parking lot. She got in her car and turned the ignition and nothing happened. She turned the ignition again and nothing happened. Uh, she happened to look in her side view mirror and saw that there was a man coming toward her driver's side door. She panicked, looked to the other side, and saw in that mirror a man coming to her passenger side door. She knew what was up. She said, Lord, deliver me, please. And she turned the key and it started. She pulled away, left the two guys in the parking lot, and went home, shared with her husband. They had a praise party. They thanked God uh, for her deliverance. And uh, the next morning, he went to work, and then she went after him. She goes out to the driveway, gets in her car, turns the key, and nothing. So she turns it again, and nothing. Finally, she decides, okay, I'm going to call the mechanic on this one. She calls her mechanic. He comes to their home, and uh, he wasn't looking at the car for more than five minutes or so when he came in the kitchen and said, you said this car started last night. Uh, no, it didn't. She said, yes, it did. It started. Yeah. He said, no, no, it couldn't have started. She said, it did start. And why are you saying that it couldn't have happened? He said, because the only problem with your car is that it doesn't have a battery in it. Yeah. 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 Let me get you on the same page with me. Those two guys went in her car, took her battery so they could accost her knowing that she couldn't go anywhere. Can you imagine their surprise when that car took off without a battery? Now, now, I know what you're thinking because I said the same thing when I read it. God doesn't always do that. That's the exception to the rule. But God does do things like that. There are many of us who can stand up and testify that there were things that God did that when you looked at it, nobody but God. Nobody but God. Some of you are saved and saved out of some stuff that your family said, nobody but God. Nobody but God. Some of you got a job and you know it wasn't nobody but God. There are people who are smarter than you, got more education than you, but you got the nobody but God. And I'm so grateful that there are some situations in my life where I can say nobody but God. Nobody but God. And so, yeah, he doesn't work that way all the time, but he does work that way some of the times. Thank God for some of the times. When your back is against the wall, I wonder, are you glad that God is there? Yeah, yeah, what are you saying? I, I know you don't feel like he's there, but he's really already there. That's what my Bible tells me. The old preacher would say it this way when talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, and the fiery furnace. He said that there was a conversation in heaven when they were getting ready to be thrown in the fire. And God said to Michael, how fast can you get there? And Michael said, I can get there in one minute, God. And God said, that's, that's too long. 
And then he looked at Gabriel. He said, now you're my messenger angel. I know you can get there faster than that. How fast can you get there? And uh, uh, Gabriel said, 30 seconds. And God said, that's too slow. And Michael and Gabriel said, Lord, well, how long would it take you to get there? And God said, I'm already there. Because Nebuchadnezzar said, I learned, uh, I learned Babylonian math, and I know I threw three in the fire, but I see a fourth, one like the Son of God. I came to tell somebody today, you going through, but you need to know, God will not always take you from the fire, but God will always be with you in the fire. And so when your back is against the wall, God will be present. Hey, aren't you glad uh, that God uh, is never on his way? Yeah. Aren't you glad that God is never fixing to come? Now, I remember when I was a young believer, and I would go into some of these churches, and I hear them deacons pray, Lord, go to the hospital. Lord, go to this place. Why are you telling the God to go anywhere? Don't you know that God is in all time, at all time? That God is omnipresent everywhere? That what is the omnipresence of God? He took himself where he was to take himself while he was going to take himself where he already been. God is everywhere. And right now, even though you may feel abandoned, I came to tell somebody, according to Psalm uh, 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. You know what that word trouble means? Tight places. Anybody in a tight place right now? Mm. And so remember what David said in Psalm 23, verse 4. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now, now it's an amazing, amazing story. And uh, we're going to come back to it. I preached it 20-something years ago, but I'm going to do it again because I, I put it on cassette tape. That's how long ago I preached it. And so now I'm going to put it on DVD. Amen. And uh, so those of you who are here, get up, dig up your old notes. Amen. You, you 20 years and older folk. <laughs> Amen. And so here's what he says. He says, he restoreth my soul. He maketh me. He, what's he doing right there? He's testifying. He's talking to somebody. He's saying, Elder Green. Let me tell you something. He restores my soul. Yeah, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness. But then verse 4, there's a transition. You know what he says in verse 4? Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou. He stopped talking to you and started talking to God. Have you ever been so excited about what God is doing for you that while you telling somebody about it, you say, wait a minute, I can't be bothered. I'll finish it later. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your name. Praise you, Lord. I'm so grateful for what you have done. And that's exactly what he's doing. So he is witnessing about God, but then he tells us, I'm walking with God. So in the first three verses, his focus is his praise, but in the last three verses, his focus is his presence. And he's saying, listen, God is a very present help in the time of trouble. Now, some of you came in here and your back's against the wall. You're facing impossibilities. Uh, you ought to be excited. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean I ought to be excited? I'm worried. I'm hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm in pain. Yeah. And beside all that, you ought to be excited because what it means, because here's what God does. The more he wants to show out, the more difficult the situation has to be so that there has to be an impossibility like a car starting without a battery so that everybody knows if it wasn't for Jesus, it never would have been done. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, come on now. Think about it. How can you know he's the great physician if you never get sick? How can you know he's a bridge over troubled water if you never have troubled water to cross? How can you know that he will defeat your enemies, that he'll use their hateration for your elevation if you don't have some haters? How will you know that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus if you never have a need? How will you know that he's able to renew your strength if you have strength? Well, if you've been a believer for any length of time, I think you are feeling it, whether you're, you know, talking back to him or not. Every single one of us, I think, goes through those seasons where we need his strength, where we need him to step in in some way. You often hear that little phrase, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. You're not going to find that in the Bible. God does give us more than we can handle so that we learn to come to him. Well, if you want to go back and listen to any of this again, just come to our website. It's treasuredtruthradio.org. Back to the message. Here's Pastor Ford. And so when God wants to do something spectacular, he chooses a difficulty. But when he blows your mind, he chooses an impossibility. Now, if you don't believe me, ask the king in our text, Jehoshaphat. Uh, because his back is against the wall. Now, look at the context. Look at the context. I want to see something. What, what's going on with him? He's got three enemies. He's got the Ammonites and the Moabites and the people of Mount Seir. See, right over your head. I know where all my Bible students are. You want to know why? Because as soon as you heard Ammon and Moab, you knew that this was the Israelites' cousins. And when you heard Mount Seir, you knew that was where Esau lived and his people came from. So Jehoshaphat has an enemy coming against him, three enemies, and we have three too. Come on, holler them out. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And they teamed up against him. Isn't it amazing that sometimes the greatest difficulties we have come from members of our own family? Okay, don't shout me down. Uh-uh, yeah. And so here it is now. They're facing their relatives, and their relatives want to turn them out. Mm. And so Jehoshaphat, there's something about this. Let me, let me tell you about it. Here's the impossibility. There's four aspects to it. Let me give it to you real quick. Number one, it's unexpected. Here they are. They're, they're, they're enjoying the presence of God. They just made a commitment based on the compromise that they had made. They had been compromising with God. So on Wednesday night, they weren't coming to church. They were with Lucius Lyon and his empire instead of Jesus Christ and his kingdom on Wednesday night. And, and so God, God said, hey, I told you to get the Bible study. That's why the Jehovah's Witnesses and Muslims tear you a new hide because you don't know nothing about the Bible. <laughs> so it's unexpected. Let me just say this so I can move on. Have you ever noticed that trial, testing, and trouble never ask to be put on your daytimer. They never ask you what's your agenda, are you busy today? Can I come? No, just unexpected. Just boom, whoop, there it is. You know, overwhelming impossibility. Now it's unexpected. But then notice, secondly, it's under his roof. So what do you mean that, Pastor? This is the first time since King David conquered the entire known world that Israel is fighting an enemy on domestic soil. See, every other battle was on somebody else's turf. Now, the enemy done brought the battle 911. 
I was talking to my buddy about it, and uh, he was saying, what do you think is wrong? We're talking about what's going on in these U.S. with this uh, KKK that's worse than the original KKK. He said, what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, Ku Klux Klan, there's somebody worse than the Ku Klux Klan. That's the KKK, kids killing kids. And so I said, here's what's wrong. Roe v. Wade, we threw God out of the reproductive processes, and so we didn't say that children are heritages from the Lord. We said we can kill them if we don't want them. And so we've aborted 50 million babies. We have murdered 50 million babies. Then we threw, 1969, we threw the Bible out of school. 1971, we threw prayer out of school. Then, then in uh, 2001 or two, we threw the Ten Commandments out of the courtroom, and then we changed the meaning of gender uh, and said, no, not the Bible, male and female, six different kinds of genders. That's what there is today. There's supposed to be six different kinds of genders. And I said to him, I said, God just said, look, okay, you threw me out. You didn't want nothing to do with me. You threw me out of the family. You threw me out of the church. You, I mean, you threw me out of the school. Yeah, we thought that, I was getting ready to say, the last thing we throwing them out is the church. And you know what God is saying? And this is, and some of you ought, to, you, you ought to hear me, hear me, because you're suffering the consequences of throwing God out of your stuff. Your marriage is bad because God ain't in the middle of it. That's why it's bad. Yeah, you ain't got a job and things ain't going right with your finance because God can't get none of your finance. I know you don't want to hear it. I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm going to cry loud. I'm going to spare not. And so here you want him to bless you and you still shacking. Bless me, but I'm still fornicating. Bless me, but I'm still committing adultery. Come on. Don't believe that hype you hear on TV. Hmm. So it was unexpected. It was under their roof. Then it was unequal. It's three against one. And then here it is. It was unholy. And so here's the situation. Now, notice what happens. In verse 11 of chapter 19, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but, but you read it in your own time. Because it's very short. It just says, and take notice, Amariah, the chief priest is over you in all matters of the Lord. And Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters. Also, the Levites will be officials before you. Listen, behave courageously, and the Lord will be with the good. You really saying? Make a commitment to the Lord to live for him, and God will bless you. And that's what they did. Have you ever known? Notice that when you make a commitment to do something, the devil always shows up to see if you're serious about it. You don't believe that. Uh, you know, I, I say, I, I'm going on a diet. And, I, you know, I, I've lost 38 pounds. I love to brag about it. Lost 38 pounds so far. And my wife, you know, I would tell you how many pounds she lost. But she told me, quit telling my business. You want to tell your business, tell your business. Don't be telling my business. And so I want, I want to lose another 50 pounds. And don't you know? When I made a commitment to start losing that 50 pounds, you know what happened? One of you sweet sisters, I made the commitment on Friday, one of you sweet sisters on Sunday said, Pastor Ford, have I got a surprise for you? What's that? I made you a banana pudding. I said, you did? And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's my favorite dessert. And she didn't make me a little banana, she made me a banana pudding in a quart thing. She didn't know she was doing the devil's work. <laughs> and I thanked her for it. And I was saying to myself, nobody else in my family likes banana pudding. Nobody. My wife can't stand it. You know what that means? 
it's all for me. So here I am now. I want to lose 50 pounds. I got to stay away from all white stuff, starch, rice, blah, blah, sugar. You know, I, I got to stay away from carbs, from bread. I love bread and, and bread and sweets. I love sweets. And here I am with a quart size banana pudding made by a woman that can put her foot in it. So you know what I did? I did what all of you do. After I finish this, I'm going on my diet. I'm going on my diet. Two days later, I started, I tried, I failed. You didn't get it. Two days later, I said it was a quart-sized banana pudding. Two days later, man, got my eat on. And, and you know, you've had it too, right? You said, you know what? I ain't going to lie no more. And, and then all of a sudden, somebody put your back against a wall, and you found that a lie was a very present help in the time of trouble. <laughs> yeah, you said, you said, you know what? You know what? I'm done with that reefer. I ain't smoking no reefer no more. And you know what happened? A person who never buys reefer, uh, all of a sudden, now he done bought something and say, look what I got. You was trying to step to her, get your swerve on. She ain't never paid you no attention. All of a sudden, you, you make a decision. I'm going to be a recycled virgin. That's right. A recycle. From this point on, I'm not having premarital sex. And here she comes. Hey, boo, you know, you had called me about a month ago, three months ago. You know, I was thinking about you all night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Said I wasn't going to tell nobody. But I wasn't going to gossip no more. But it was the juiciest piece of gossip that we had in church all year because it was about Pastor and Sister Ford. You know, you made those decisions and the devil's always going to come and say, oh yeah, you really mean that? Well, let's see if you really mean that. You can pretty much bank on that, can't you? The devil is going to come and he is going to test us. We're listening to a message called When Your Back is Up Against the Wall. It's from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to continue this next time. By the way, if you ever miss one of the programs in the series, you can always come to our website, listen online at treasuredtruthradio.org. You know, Pastor, as someone tunes in and listens to Moody Radio, not only are they going to hear this Bible teaching program, but just a wide array or variety of programming that can really be used to encourage and help them grow in their walk with Christ. Oh, yes. And you're going to hear things that are going to build you up in your most precious faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me. Uh, I say it all the time, but, you know, sometimes what we do is uh, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to amass bills we can't pay to police people we don't like and don't care anyway. Hmm. We are going to be held accountable for our stewardship. Isn't it amazing that we can send it ahead uh, by giving to Moody Radio? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, because that's an investment that draws a dividend that has eternal consequences. And I, I mean, when you invest in Moody Radio, you are actually investing in the only two things that last forever, the word of God and the souls of men and women. Well, you can make an investment right now by coming to our website. It is treasuredtruthradio.org. Click on the Donate button. We need both the ongoing monthly gifts and the one-time gifts. Again, that's at treasuredtruthradio.org. Thanks for giving and for listening. Thanks also to our producer, Amy Rios. For Pastor Ford, I'm Steve Hiller. 
Treasure Truth is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.